welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we'll be talking about body image um, and everything that kind of goes into the conversation about body image in uh, the queer community, um, eating disorders included. Um, I think we will touch a little bit on gender uh, dysphoria related issues, but not too much. Uh, this is much more focused on um, appearance uh, in the classical sense of, of the word, as in fat, thin, lean, tall, short, small, whatever. Yeah, no, and in the LGB community, a little bit T, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just not just by even if course focus on that but as usual research is not specifically um, directed towards bisexual uh, population so uh, we can't necessarily we can't always um, make a distinction between the experience of other sexual minorities and bisexual people I mean non-monosexual people yeah well some things we do know for sure um, the Trevor Project um, conducted a survey study in 2018 so very recent one Um, They surveyed a little over a thousand young queer people between the ages of 13 and 27, uh, sorry, 24, and uh, 54% of these people have been diagnosed with an eating disorder. So not just uh, suspected having one or exhibited symptoms, but actually had a diagnosis of one. And 75% Mm -hmm. had suspected that they had an eating disorder throughout their lifetime. 71% of trans responders or responders who identify straight have had a diagnosis of disorder eating, which is a lot. By um, by youth came next. They had the highest rates of being diagnosed with an eating disorder, which was 51%. And um, from all the eating disorders possible, uh, the most common diagnosis was anorexia nervosa, as it is in the general population. So that's quite common. These are statistics obviously are very troubling and they have to do with a lot of things. Of course, you know, you don't just develop an eating eating disorder from being queer, just like you don't become suicidal from being queer. There's a lot of social factors that go into it, a lot of sort of childhood issues or a lot of self-reflective issues that all converge together and create an environment in which developing an eating disorder is incredibly easy and sometimes is kind of uh, a way to deal with things um and we're also going to uh, to talk a lot about eating disorder maybe we should start by also defining some of those so yeah people know what we're talking about i mean eating disorders is basically any pattern that is outside the norm and distressing uh, pattern of of uh, a pattern or relationship with food it can go of course as far as anorexia which i don't think we need to explain it's all over the media bulimia mm-hmm. which involves uh regurgitating the food that you've con- you've ingested um binge eating where you consume abnormal amounts of food within the span of two hours which is the D- dsm diagnostic criterion there's also v- various mm-hmm. other disordered um patterns of eating like eating things that shouldn't be eaten or um you know nail biting eating one's own hair there's a lot of different things for reasons that are you know um, because certain things are easier to study than others and the population is larger, most research focuses, unfortunately, um, on anorexia and sometimes on bulimia. And most of the research focuses on women, mostly straight women, because there has there is clearly a link between, you know, media, misogyny, and the female gender and eating disorders in general. But mm-hmm. there is some research about about the uh, the queer community. And surprisingly enough... Or not, there are <laughs> there there are some statistics about men uh, within the queer community and eating disorders that are very troubling. Yeah. 
So I have a study from 2016 that says that gay men are more likely to be dissatisfied with their physical appearance overall than straight men, as yeah. well as their muscle size. And yeah. a lot of a lot of that, of course, is fat phobia. A lot of that is this um, sort of browsing culture, I guess we could call it that, in the gay community where men kind of window shop <laughs> according to appearance exclusively. It's not, of course, just a male thing, but... You know, a lot of people know that the gay community is quite vain and quite appearance focused, um, unfortunately. Uh, and so it's not surprising that people who want to appear their best, who go to the gym religiously, who try to, you know, watch what they eat and stuff, that they might be more predisposed to developing body image issues yeah. and eating, eating disorders. In, the, in another study for 2016, which was uh, done among um, sexual minorities, college students, was shown that um, yeah, the, the male community had like unhealthy patterns about body image, when actually the uh, the women had uh, had a much better um, actually body image than their counterparts, uh, straight counterparts, and they um, had actually um, globally so that their lifestyle was helping them being healthier. Yeah, it, it's, it's logically not surprising, I think. A lot of women, I mean, a lot of women in the queer community are insecure, but they are insecure for reasons that are different to straight yeah. women, and they are less susceptible to kind of media imagery, to mainstream perceptions of what a woman is supposed to be like, because I think because they don't really feel like part of that mainstream anyway. Yeah. So why try to make an effort to appear yeah. as something that, first of all, excludes them and something that they're definitely not? And that's um, that, that another study that, that even more recent from 2017 uh, that showed that uh, it's a qualitative study. It's pretty interesting that queer women have the same kind of pressures and I mean, all women when it comes to body image. But yes, you can resist. But also, there is the other part, which is the um, the, the the queer specific uh, part of you know what you're supposed to look like when you're queer. Yeah. Um. And and you might want to address a certain way, appear a certain way. Um. There's uh that that also comes into play. Um. And then the the do you I mean have to look like you are, especially for queer women, you're more into sports. You know, more athletic body which might not be entirely um, seen as a feminine thing socially, but is more um, seen positively within the queer female, if I can say the thing like that, community. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that would more promote uh, healthier habits because if you don't eat, you can't be muscular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it doesn't really depend that much on like the gender of the person but more as kind of what their I don't know style what their presentation is because in my imagining and this is my personal experience also is that women who present as more feminine would have mm -hmm. more body image issues whereas yeah. women who are more androgynous for example or women that tend more towards like a gender neutral kind of style would would be less susceptible to like the the mainstream kind of body dysmorphic um, disorder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But if you push it a little bit more, 
if you're gender non-conforming, you can have body dysphoria, but for another reason, yeah. which is linked to the... Uh, and you might be tempted, I think, to, I mean, you know, those feminine features yeah. that would be linked to the fat distribution. So that might be there a vulnerability also. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, when you think about androgyny, you 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 kind of picture like really tall, skinny people. That That's always kind of been like a staple. You know, you think of um, Tilda Swinton and stuff, you know, people who, <laughs> who don't have pronounced curves and that's what makes them less feminine. So I could, I could definitely see how that could happen. And also, you know, since we're talking about gender nonconformity, we have to talk about the trans community and how mm-hmm. tough it, it must be. And of course, I'm here, I'm just speculating and this is what <laughs> I've seen. I'm not a trans person. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is already a struggle for control over one's body because one's body is not mm-hmm. what, what it should be. And one of the easiest ways... Um, is is to control your body is to control what you eat and you know there's not many things that a person can change just like that you know a lot of things um require money require commitment require some require surgery but Mm. not eating is something everyone can do virtually everyone so i can see why the statistic is so high yeah not eating or um eating and purging right afterwards yeah both both of us know that the uh, a case that, that you and I worked on is someone who um, tried to sabotage themselves um, through overeating, also because uh, because of their sexuality. So it's 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 an interesting mix of struggling for control over one's body, over one's thoughts. Sometimes a strive for perfectionism, a strive for finding something that is normal, so to speak, mm-hmm. about oneself versus punishment. You know, yeah. you don't deserve to eat because you're like this, or you, you don't deserve to look good, quote-unquote, because you're like this. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that come into play there, and I think, like I said, queerness doesn't have a direct link to eating disorders, yeah. but there's a reason why the statistic is so high in this community. I mean, and, and you know, the, the prevalence of eating disorder is, you, you see the same pattern that for any mental health issue in the community. Mm-hmm. With trans people and bisexual people on the front line, yeah. So it's it seems only logical, unfortunately. Yeah, that would that would appear. Um, and and I mean it's a it's a it's a little bit of a personal question, and we've already discussed it. But now, I mean, you have experience, personal experience with that. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, what in your case? What is in your case the uh, you think the um, etiology of what you happen to you um you think that being queer is part of it i I wouldn't say i wouldn't say it's a direct like i said it's not a direct thing for me it's being raised in a society that emphasizes female appearance a lot you know ukraine is supposed to have the prettiest girls in the world and by prettiest you mean skinniest and so um (laughs) there was always like growing up there was always a pressure to be to look a certain way and I'm naturally thick <laughs> let's say um, and uh, I've always it, it's always been easy for me to put on weight and having large boobs as well like I could never look like a girl in a magazine so it's always been a bit of a struggle in that regard but more than that of course it's the fact that I'm a perfectionist and 
uh, very prone to seeing my own flaws. So this kind of pattern of trying to seek something, something that is a little better about myself, something that is a little perfect, I latched onto this idea that I can not eat for three months. <laughs> and uh, I was really good at it too. And which resulted in a whole plethora of psychological and uh, physical issues. But, you know, that's a whole different story. But the thing is that, you know, the feeling of non-belonging, whatever it is, you know, if it's sexuality um, related, if it's nationality, if it's mental illness of any other kind related, this feeling of non-belonging is what makes you want to try harder. And most of the time trying harder means damaging yourself. Yeah. So... My only, my only takeaway from this would be not to try to fit in so hard with people who don't want you to fit in anyway. Yeah. It'd be embrace the queerness, all the queerness. Yeah. And the differences. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of, you know, um, a lot of issues that we, you and I would have to deal with as therapists if we do have a queer client who has an eating disorder would be to, to make them love themselves. And that's really hard, especially yeah. in a society that emphasizes being a certain way, whether it's appearance-wise, whether it's sexuality-wise, you know, religion-wise, who knows? It's always, it's always about being a certain way. And I think, I don't know, this may sound a little corny, but I think our queerness is one of the best things about us. And actually the experience of being queer, understanding that the moment you realize that you don't have to exist in boxes, yeah, that you can just be yourself, and also that there are other people like you living outside of those boxes. Yeah, the moment you realize that, you can embrace a lot of your, your other differences. Yeah, and just be yourself. In yes, it makes things more difficult, but also sometimes makes things a little bit easier because you do have that experience already. Yeah, um, and I mean, eating disorder aside, is just something that I thought of. That for the longest time, I refused to cut my own hair because. I thought that girls shouldn't have short hair. And <laughs> you know me now, I'm like rocking a bob. So <laughs> the thing is... Yeah, it was an undercut. Yeah, exactly. And But that, that's the thing, because we are told that we have to, have to conform to a certain standard, um, despite the fact that we may want to change things about themselves. And, you know, when you brought up this idea of a, a queer woman that has to look a certain way... Like, what comes to my mind when I think queer woman is usually like, what, flannels, short hair, probably <laughs> some, you know, weird color kind of thing. Yeah. Like, probably like glasses or something. There's, there's this like, you know what I mean? There's this, this, this image. But the thing is, you don't need to conform to the straight community. You don't need to conform to the queer community. If you are a femme-looking lesbian, good for you. Yeah, sometimes the stereotypes fit exactly. you, and that's great. Sometimes it doesn't, and that's great also. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think some of the the people that I admire a lot are people who are you know gender fluid people who are capable of changing their entire style, their entire way of dressing from day to day because that's the way they feel they should look today. I think that we yeah. should take a leaf out of out of that book more often. Yeah, we all tend to. Yeah, we all tend to um, kind of. And ending up wearing some kind of uniform, you know, you find something that works for you and you keep wearing it again and again yeah. or in a different type of declination, like the same color or just a little bit some differences, but you always end up wearing the same thing or presenting the same thing the yeah. same way. So I encourage to 
change that and try other things, it's it's great. Yeah, experimentation and sort of it's it's not just that. It's to make yourself more used to feeling good no matter what you're wearing, no matter what kind of face you're presenting to the world. You know, I know that a lot mm -hmm. of people, myself included, don't feel comfortable in skirts. But I'll be damned mm -hmm. if, if yeah. my day gets worse just because I'm wearing a skirt. Yeah. So, so you don't have to wear one if you don't feel exactly. comfortable in one. Exactly. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's about that social pressure. It's about social just, pressure and about like being. I hate this word, but being mindful <laughs> of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and just to finish, I wanted to quote that other study. Uh, this is a longitudinal study I made in the US on um, adolescent males. Uh, and over, uh, over, yeah, over um, more than almost uh, more than five years. But so it's it's and they saw three type of um, pattern, which is like the healthy body image, and people who are lean concerned that they want to be as, as thin as possible, and others that are muscle concerned they want to be as muscular as possible. And uh, so, which is interesting is that yes, sexual minorities um, males were more likely to to have uh, to be lean concerned, so to be, you know, be at risk of anorexia or any related uh, disorder. Uh, but there was no difference when it comes to muscle concerned because it's, you know, what a man is supposed to be. So it's here really about the social expectation. Mm -hmm. all, all adolescents were at risk there of maybe doing a bit too much. Mm -hmm. Interesting is that it started very early, before the age of 15. Yeah. They saw some patterns already there before the age of 15. I mean, they started with the participants who were 15, but they had, were, had already pretty well set patterns there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it starts very early on with social pressure, and not just for uh, sexual minorities, but being LGBTQ um, can make things a little bit more difficult here too. Yeah. But also provides resources to deal with those by accepting queerness, embracing differences. And also having some of the good things of some part of the uh, queer culture, which is about being more health healthier. Yeah. So, also a positive uh, side to it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, a lot of th th there is um, there is a sort of golden standard, I guess, of not veering off to either extreme. Whether it's the extreme of just seeing your body as transport and not paying the attention to it versus being so fixated on your body that it becomes a center of your entire being. Um, yeah. And there are certain cultures within the queer community that encourage the sort of fixation on body image when we think about the twink culture, when we think about, you know, like these kinds of things versus kind of neglecting mm -hmm. yourself. Um, and it's hard to find yeah. that standard. I think a lot of people, even beyond adolescence, you know, fully grown, developed adults have a hard time finding that, that balance. But yeah. once you do, and if you stick to it, if you commit to being good to yourself, that makes the, you know, all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, you know, let's go back to feel that you're worth it, that yeah. you can, that it's, it's worth it to be good to yourself. But it's it's not it's a it's an underlying issue that it's not about just about uh, body image and eating disorder. I think I, that. I think the most important thing is you know try to 
find something within yourself that is lovable and expand from there. But if you do feel like you or someone close to you is slipping down, is starting to treat themselves unhealthily, whether it's not eating properly or self-harming, you're well within your right to refer them to, to someone or to, to ask for help. Uh, because this is a human life we're talking about. And just as a conclusion, in your experience, what can you tell to someone you see slipping, toward, slipping towards anorexia? I mean, uh, to have a chance to be heard. From a professional standpoint, I would ask them to please, please, please get help because I had to get out without any professional help. And I do believe that if I had proper psychological treatment, I would have gotten out much faster because it took me almost three years. But, you know, if these things aren't available, then you definitely need social support and you need to keep yourself, to, to, to make yourself accountable or to have someone who would hold you accountable for if, you know, as someone who is anorexic, and I'm just talking about like something that I know about anorexic people are incredibly sneaky and they're going to go out of their way to pretend like they've eaten, but they really didn't. There are a lot of creative ways to fake eating. So having someone yeah. keep an eye on you, holding yourself accountable to that, that is already very important because the first thing that has to be dealt with is the physical part of it. If your brain doesn't get enough nourishment, it's not going to retain any important information about mindfulness and whatnot. So first we fix your body and then we're going to try to fix your self-image. Yeah. So yeah. don't be afraid to ask for help and don't try to look like someone you're not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, um, if anyone has anything to add, um, especially people that we haven't kind of the communities that haven't mentioned, like the intersex community or the ACE community, be really interesting to hear about because there is virtually nothing in academia about eating disorders in, in those um, communities. Very interesting. Please message us on Twitter or send us an email. And as always, follow us, um, email us, message us. We are always ready to listen and talk and find new topics to, uh, to discuss on the podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Thank you.